City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Okay, City Limits, it's a fifth Wednesday today and we've got... um, well, Zeb Peak can't come in. She's. Um, we're going to discuss housing today, actually, on the show. But Zeb Peak can't come in because she's got a real estate inspection at home, so she's uh, stuck without a presume She's cleaning up badly. Oh, do you? Should you? Or would you? I mean, you're allowed to live as you should. I reckon if you rent a place, you should have it as you want it. Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. But welcome back, Karina, and uh, Karina, welcome back. Thank you, Kevin. It's well, nice to be back. I'm not. I haven't undergone my rigorous media training or anything, so I'm no, not sure if I'm you, quite ready. You point out, I often point out the fact that you've got all your foot's grey or Western bulldog colours on, but today you literally have. You've got a scarf and a beanie. And I thought I should come back with a pop. Yeah, very good. Very well done. And, um, and of course, a lot of people have been asking how you are, because we know a few weeks ago you had a bike accident. You did a pelvic well you broke your pelvis and you're not so how is it coming along oh it's all right I I fractured it in three places um yeah I mean because it was a stable fracture they said I didn't need surgery or anything like that so uh so it just had to wait till it set itself basically basically so it was a lot of pain and now I'm kind of better but I'm still you know putting off all the bureaucracy and the TAC yeah. and stuff but right. and it is what it is so you're walking on a stick or something or yeah something? I've got a walking cane yeah right well anyway good luck and keep give it up anyway but thanks for coming in because today when Zeb pulled out I I checked and um, and you all volunteered to come in despite the injury, so thanks very much. Well, it's high time you learned how to panel, but that's <laughs> no, also it's not. It's too point. late. I, I, uh, <laughs> silly, silly question to point that. Uh, um, I'm going to pour you a cup of tea. What a cup of tea? I would love one. All right. Well, what is it? Look. Green? I feel like it's, it's jasmine all the time. It's now. jasmine. Oh, okay, I'll do something different next week. I've actually got Ooh. a lovely one. Uh, a Chinese friend gave me a, a tea for my birthday a few months ago, and. Um, it's a it's a Chinese white tea and, a, and it's a lovely tea. I might bring it in next week and we can try that one. Yeah, wonderful. So. All right, I'll just grab that. Here one. we are. Oh, there we are. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. On the show today, I suppose we better get round to what's on the show today. I always <laughs> I criticise some shows for not letting you know what's on them early enough, and we've just done the same thing. On <laughs> um, but um, we're going to be talking to. In fact, I'll just I'll presage this by pointing out that this program started many, many, many. I've got to forget how many now years ago, uh, when a group we had called the People's Committee for Melbourne, because the Committee for Melbourne was set up by Ron Walker and a few capitalists to run the planning in the city, and we had a two-day conference at RMIT and formed a group called People's Committee for Melbourne, which met for a long time at a part, and we were given a part-time um, position very generously by the North Melbourne Uniting Church and Wes Campbell, the, the minister there, and um, plus the facilities. And Mark, one of the workers who worked for us half-time was Mark Riley, who also co-presented this program. And one of the regulars at that time was, was Kate Shaw, who went on to do her PhD and become an academic on um, planning issues. 
and they're two of our guests today, so it's sort of a reunion of the People's Committee for Melbourne. But um, <laughs> the, the getting pe- back to our roots. In fact, a few of us still do get together a couple of times a year and have a meal, and over a few bottles of red by midnight or so, we've usually solved the problems of the world. But um, excuse me, Kevin, where was my invite for that? <laughs> well, you were walking around on a stick somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sip of tea. But Mark, of course, is now the Mayor of Moreland, and we're going to talk to Mark about the name change that's coming up because they discovered that Moreland had a, a racial connotation, and, and in fact, next Sunday, there's going to be an event and an announcement of that, So, and there's been a, a quite a quite extensive survey of, of local residents and ratepayers to, um, to change the names, and they put up three possibilities, and so we're going to talk to Mark about that. And also, well, I'll, I'll raise the Steve Price issue with Mark. Um, I'll, I'll leave you hanging on what that one's about. And Kate Shaw is going to talk to us about a number of housing issues, including um, what the what the election means for housing. And there's been a fair bit happening because our normal housing day we missed essentially this this year, this month because it was our radiothon day, and so we had lots of other guests and people on. We did have Catherine Murdoch on, but mm, and I'll take um, this opportunity yeah, as well because yeah. I was listening in. But thank you so much again to all our listeners who. Donated yeah. and pledged, and you know, continue to keep and got us over the line. Keep us ragtag bunch yeah, on the air. Right. <laughs> Although I think three CR overall has not yet got its full amount. So if people can still give, I mean, we're very generous on this program. People have been, but uh, there is still uh, money to be got, and uh, every penny counts. Every penny counts. That's right. It, it uh, keeps well, it doesn't keep us in tea. We provide our own tea. <laughs> that's, how, that's how bad we go here. <laughs> Although they do provide tea, but we bring our own anyway. Um, tea snob. Yeah, that's right. Now, look, I know you um, you are fond at times of you know having a social drink, Karina. And Can I've I got, have no secrets? And I've got, no, and I've got <laughs> and I've got well, silly, silly, silly thought that one again. Um, I've got a bit of an offer for you. Um, the 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 once a month, there's this glossy magazine falls out of the Friday edition of the Financial Review on the last Friday of the month, and it caters very much to the elite, and all the ads are for watches worth thousands and thousands, etc. But here's one that you might be able to pick up. Um, it's a, uh, a Glendonic uh, Scotch whiskey, and there's only eighteen eight, there's only eighteen bottles in Australia at the moment. But you could stack one up for forty thousand if you wanted to. Do you want to? What? Yeah. Did you say out. there's only eighteen bottles in Australia? They, they mainly made one hundred and ninety-eight overall um, worldwide, but eighteen here and um, so forty grand. But the best one, if you can pick this one up. Um, uh, McCallman and I years ago I was this is sort of uh, I'm not a name drop but remember a bit this morning I know but years ago when I was in Italy a, a bloke we knew who was um, lecturing in geology in London at the time Australian bloke mm. um, joined us a couple of times and spent some time with us in both Florence and up on the lakes for Easter um, and he um he took field trips to Scotland with students and he became a bit of an expert in Scotch whisky and he claimed the best of the, the malt scotches was Macallan. Uh, and you'll be pleased to know that a 60-year-old Macallan uh, has sold for $1.9 million US dollars. So that's about 
over two million Australian dollars. So, oh my goodness! So well, I mean, I don't mind a whiskey, so no. I could get hit by a couple more cars and yeah. Well, if you can pick up, up that you know? Macallan, you can snap it up for just over two mil. Mm. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend dropping it on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a disaster. Mm. Anyway, that was uh, that was that. Um, interesting situation happening in New South Wales, where uh, where. John Barillaro, who is was a former minister and he resigned before the last election and claimed he was getting a bit sick of the whole thing, etc. <laughs> uh, he he has been posted to a new... Well, going backwards, he set up, when he was the minister, he set up these posts around the world for Australians to um, to promote New South Wales. And he... Then he resigned, and the particular post that he's been suddenly posted to, which is quite amazing, was um, last year. There was um, last year there was a, there were interviews, etc. And the it's a New York-based uh, job with a with a half a million dollar salary and package. And Last year, they got to the stage of down to four people and they were recommending one woman who was a public servant, but then they, they dropped the whole procedure and just recently Barillaro's been named to the position that he set up in the first place for half a grand before resigning from Parliament. Hmm. Uh, and Perrottet said, says, Perrottet, the Premier, said there's not much wrong with that, but now after lots of questions and things, he has set up an inquiry into what happened uh, as to how John got the thing, given that another woman who was actually a public servant had been recommended for the post. But uh, right, isn't that interesting? I was going to say, I wonder how long that was in the works. But yeah, that's right. Also in New South Wales, because just recently, uh, our government said it's going to put a uh, an Indigenous flag on the Westgate Bridge, which is all very good, and it's been backed by both parties. Uh, and don't forget that is. Um, it is NADOC week next week here, and we'll be having um, every day. We'll be having programs to do with NADOC week, including those wonderful prison programs at eleven o'clock next week. So we urge people to, to join in. Um, but uh, along with that, the New South Wales government's also said it will put a, an Indigenous flag on top of the of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which is fair enough. I mean, that's I don't. That's good. But the bit I can't work out is it's going to cost $25 million to put a, a flag on the bridge. Now, uh, is, it a gold, is it a solid gold flagpole or something? I mean, I would, have thought, <laughs> I would have thought getting up there and putting up a flagpole and a flag on it would be a bit less than $25 million. Well, I know those guys, those window washers and, and people that work in heights do get... Um do get the risk money or whatever. Like they, they, they're paid quite well, but I'm not sure if it's quite no, that no. well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bit over the top. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the go up there. But 25, you know, I, I must admit, I, I just simply can't work out how they do it. Um, another story this week, though, quite seriously, because we've had in the news just this morning again that ambulances were unavailable and uh, there's, there's, there's problems with, with the health system. And the Frankston Hospital, no, sorry, Ballarat Base Hospital uh, called a code yellow on Sunday when it um, couldn't keep up with an increasing workload. Uh, and um, this is happening regularly. And it seems to me that it comes back to the fact yet again that we, 
we called off all those all those um, requirements and during during COVID far too soon. And we've mentioned on this program and I'm sure other programs have mentioned many times that we gave in to the business community saying we have to live with it, which means you also have to live and die with it and catch it. And of course, despite the fact that we're not getting daily upgrades as much, there are still thousands of people catching COVID. There are still people dying. And that's where the hospital problems are occurring, I suspect, that because, because where the normal other other illnesses and other diseases and other injuries would be coming into emergency and going into hospitals. They could cope with it, but you put the COVID thousands over and above that. Um, and of course, suddenly they're under incredible pressure. And I think it goes back to the fact that we caved into business pressure to, you know, business still wants people to get around and not wear masks anywhere. And they're saying, isn't it terrible? People still have to wear masks in certain places. No, I think it's ridiculous not to. I think if you go into a shop or go into a place and we wear them in this building other than when we're on air, um, I think you simply should. And it we is should the be taking easiest all the thing you can do, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, hospitals were already in a giant crisis and then what was it several months ago there was such a terrible staff shortage that um they said you know workers that were still testing positive or still in their symptomatic periods could come well if they weren't symptomatic but they were testing positive in that first period would still have to come in and work so yeah Yeah. and the staff are magnificent and they uh they're under incredible pressure. That's, That's right. Uh, Weren't you yeah. going to get a um, a nurse on the show that looked we after you? We were at some stage. Yeah, I couldn't track him down though, so <laughs> I took care of that. Uh, the particular nurse we wanted to get. Um, you'll also be pleased to know that our future king, the future head of this country, um, Charlie, Charlie, he he got uh, a million euro, a million <sighs> euro, which is a lot of dollars in cash from a what's called a controversial Qatari politician uh, and it was handed over to him in a, in a bag, uh, <laughs> stuffed into carrier bags from Fortnum and Mason. But he got, I think he got three lots of this. Um, he claims he passed them on to his charities uh, and um, I know Joe Bielka Peterson and lots of other people used to get the money on the doorstep in a brown paper bag. He got his in a Fortnum and Pace Mason, which I guess is a bit more upmarket. I'm not sure. I presume it is. Um, <laughs> I and, know. Why don't you uh, check your shiny fold out from the financial that's, review? That's right. This is uh, anyway. Uh, there you are. It's um, he got them, but it's all okay. They said there was not. There's no question mark about the whole thing. It just um, although why a a, a quote controversial Qatari politician would hand Charlie um, three lots of a million euro, which is a lot more in dollars, um, Australian dollars. I, I've got no idea, but apparently it's all okay. It's for the charities, mm. Kevin. Get with it. For his charities, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the same part of the world, we've just seen um, we've just seen Saudi Arabian um, murderer. Who um, who knocked off um, knocked off a j- journalist in um, in Turkey, as we know, welcomed by the Turks because suddenly, after all this time, the Turks have realised there's money in Saudi Arabia and they can make and there's great value to be made. So they've banned it and they gave him a big welcome and all sorts of things and banquet dinners and uh, as if nothing had happened. So isn't that that's also I think quite quite wonderful. 
Let's take a break and let's get Mark Riley on the phone and let's talk about uh, changing the name of Moreland. And next week, you don't need to bring such bleak news. Come on. No, all right. And if COVID has shown anything, no government in Australia has had a planned approach to safety in terms of workers under COVID. Everything's been done knee-jerk. So whilst you've got market capitalism operating from a market perspective, we're only ever going to get knee-jerk things which involve huge exploitation, inequity and racism. None of these things are being planned or addressed in any long-term way. It's all stopgap and knee-jerk, and it is because of the role of the market. Subscribe to 3CR, workers' rights and union struggles. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Okay, the extreme conservative, um, extreme conservative shock jock Steve Price um, had a column in the Herald Sun this week, and he had a list of love it and loathe it. He's love it, love all things I think we would loathe, and his loathes are all things I think we would love. But one of his loathes was local metropolitan councils like Moreland wasting money and ignoring ratepayers with ridiculous name-changing. Um, Mark Riley is the mayor of Moreland. He's a former co-presenter on this program, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Mark, uh, has, has Steve Major rethink the position? Oh. Um, only briefly, Kevin, when you mentioned it to me yesterday, I, I don't think we'll be going there. Uh, we've actually got all our results in, so the community... <laughs> are far, far-fetched, um, you know, a long way from, from where Steve is right now. If we're going by our results, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we're all a long way from where Steve is right now. But, uh, but Mark, go, backgrounding this, I mean, what, why are you changing it and what were the alternatives thrown up? Yeah, well, I was elected mayor late November and two days later I was invited, well, within two days I was invited to my first community meeting, which happened to be with Wurundjeri were young elders and a group called No Moreland, and they had done a fair bit of research around the name of Moreland, which was um, fairly clearly associated with a slave plantation in Jamaica, which had been operating for 100 years, producing sugar. So the slaves would be shipped over from West Africa uh, to Jamaica, and the sugar would be loaded up on the ships and taken to the UK, and then other goods would be taken back to Africa. So they do this sale, you know, this trade in flavour and sugar. And sugar is one of the, the most traded commodities at the time. 
Um, and they ran that farm for 100 years, and, and Farquhar McRae, who was a doctor, came here in the early 1830s, and uh, just as Victoria was um, being invaded and established by the colonialists, and, and he purchased uh, some of the first land that was sold off from under the Wurundjeri, and uh, he called that that land, which runs along Moreland Road, people may well be familiar with that road, it's fairly famous, East West Road going going from Sydney Road all the way down to the Mary Creek, uh, the Mooney Ponds Creek, sorry, in the creek side. And he purchased a large piece of land and named that farm, um, as it was then. It was originally a farm. He only owned it for four years, but he named it Moreland in honour of his grandfather and great-grandfather. And, um, and he, while he had been an emancipist himself, Kevin, and he renounced slavery, he was clearly the recipient and, you know, his, his whole sort of... Uh, status and wealth that's been built on the back of it. So, and of course, the Warren Jury never saw a penny of any of the no, money it's sort that of he paid for that land. More there. land for the invaders and yeah. no land at all for the invaded. Yeah, exactly. So that that meeting was my first. I got that letter detailing, you know, tabled the letter at that meeting, sort of really outlining that. I had heard about this before, but I'd never really gone deep diving into it. Um, Association of Slavery, but once that was really made clear to me and once it was coming from the elders, it was pretty clear we needed to act. And the good news in that respect, for us at least, for the council, is we had a 24-year commitment to the Wurundjeri Wurrung to actually be dealing with, you know, a reconciliation plan and, um, you know, naming rights for new open parks that we're acquiring and opening to, to create more open space in our city. And there's a vast a range of other things in there that we've been doing with them, you know, perhaps not as much as we should be doing and not doing it as fast as we should be doing it, but there's a really strong foundation for us to act. And when we went to the, the Minister of the time, who just lost his job as local government minister, Sean Lee, he backed us up clearly and said, yep, you don't need to go and ask the community whether you should change it. Why, why would you keep a racist or a name that's very strongly associated with racism? Um, but come... Uh, you know, go out and, and, and consult with your community because that's what you have to do under the legislation. And once you've shown me what the engagement looks like, you can come back and and we'll work through that. And basically, we've just completed that on Friday, Kevin, and we had six, over 6,300 participants, which is probably the biggest responses we've ever we've ever got. We've ever got um, on on our council uh, engagements. And and uh, I am really pleased with that. Although we've got 190,000 citizens, you know, you'd kind of want more. But it, in, in comparing it to other engagements, it's really huge. Like we've yeah. only ever had, you know, maybe four, four or five. But this has been great, um, and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I actually can't give you the answer. No, till Sunday. But to the, no, till... no, 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 no. I can tell you, you're calling me today, Kevin. It is coming out this afternoon when the agenda gets announced. And unfortunately, I've kind of gagged to say anything. But this afternoon, I'd be able to announce it if we were doing the interview. But we have a result. And the result, I have to say, is pretty clear. And uh, and the naysayers were fairly uh, minor in, in that response. The overwhelming response from everybody of those 6,300 
been very supportive. So there's been a good spread, I think I can say that much, across the three names. I'll tell you what they are. They were, yeah, the three names um, we put up, there was a I mean, I know, I know people involved in it who were um, yeah. set up to, to come down and, and promote and put forward those three alternatives after consultation yeah. with the Indigenous people. Yeah. Um, what were the three alternatives again? They, they, they gave us three gifts, I guess, three of their, their sort of words that are associated with this country. The first one was Durang, which is um, to do with leafy tree, which is pretty strongly associated with Wurundjeri, because Wurund means um, a leaf, and, and that's to do with the manigam. Um, that word is associated with that. That's a very strong part of their culture. And the jury the bit in the name is the witchetty grub. So for me, the Durang one kind of had a nice, connection to their culture and obviously had a strong connection for them because they gave off of that one up. The other was Wadambuk, which is um, means renew. And in the context of renewing our name, it was pretty important for us to... I mean, it was a pretty special one for me. And the other, the, the last one was Merribeck, which is strongly associated with rocky country. And people will be very familiar with the Merry Creek, like I was making my faux pas earlier. Mm-hmm. The Merry Creek's been yes. an amazing reclamation program from locals on both the Darabin and further north and, and moreland sides of the creek to really reclaim what was, an, what was treated as an old sewer and a toxic waste dump for, at the time, in those 1800s and into the 1900s. And it was only sort of late 1900s when we started to care about it and return it to its features. So Marybeck, um, Durang and Wadambuk, they were the three beautiful gifts that they gave us, yeah. And this afternoon you'll be announcing the um, the result. We will. I'm I'm, I'm happy to be quite lift, Kevin. But I, look, I, can I just say, look, one of the, I'll tell you about one of the things I really learned or experienced through this whole, you know, call it a saga, but this journey, I guess, was was the um, that we actually got to meet a group of us got to meet with the elders just about every week since that first meeting, um, and we're still doing that regular meeting just to continue to work through and develop the relationships. And, and it's incredibly um, powerful and significant to me as a mayor and just as a person who worked on community radio to have that that privilege and to get, gain that respect and to share that journey. But the biggest the biggest rub, Kevin, was that, that we as elected reps had to confront the idea that oh, we've got to do a democratic process here. We have to go and ask our community engagement about which name they want. And, of course, that's not how Indigenous culture and elder culture works. So there was this clash of cultures that we had to really work through, and it was a pretty tortuous and difficult period for a time there. But to the credit, to the credit of the elders, I mean, really, very much, as we know, I think, as white fellas, but the elders are incredibly... Um, Stoic, there's a real energy and power that you know to actually have come this far through colonialism, post-colonialism, and, and to, to still be hanging in there with you know the devastation they've been through. It's probably no surprise to me, but they they were able to really hold their ground, so to speak, and and they they ended up giving us three gifts. That's so I call them gifts because those words are really important to them. Um, they're very strongly associated with the country, so they were happy with any any one of those choices that, that the rest of the community would come back and tell us they they'd prefer to have as the name. So it was a really difficult period there, Kevin, but we managed to get through it. It was a, a, a big learning for me, but it also um, 
you know, I just value the process so much and, and just the confidence and the time they've given us to do this. It's it's incredibly special. Mm. Speaking of time, the Murdoch media and people like Price, of course, the ticket saying it's going to be so costly to change everything, but yeah. it's going to be um, be spaced out over a long period, isn't it? There's the name changes. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to we are allocating two hundred fifty thousand to it in the first year, and then the second year we'll do the same. So it'll be half a million in the first two years, and then from there on it'll be very much kind of business as usual, changing a lot of the smaller signs. But that's to address the you know, the websites, the big signage on our buildings and entranceways to the city. And once we get through that, and, you know, things like uniforms will be done over time. It is a big impact. You know, we have to change our emails and all of that stuff. But, you know, basically we want a city that's inclusive and one that actually respects the the, the, the position of our First Nations people. We were in Jerry Wurrung. You know, they were all herded up into Corrindirk and there's a pretty special story, Chapter 3, on... First Australians, if people uh, have SDS on demand, you can go and look at that. That's an incredibly powerful story about the story of um, uh, William Barrack and how he, he walked into town quite a few times in Hillsville, Kevin, to talk to uh, powerful people in Melbourne at the time. And one day one day he walked that distance with a broken leg. It's, a, mm. <laughs> it's an incredibly sad story. <laughs> but one that I really encourage people to go and watch. It's... it's um, yeah, just one of those. What about Moreland Road itself? Will that be changed? Mm, we're not. We weren't asked to do that. The elders were only asked to change the corporate name of the city. And whilst I understand those stories, I'm not interested in changing all of the words Moreland everywhere. Um, I think you know, there's no no need to wipe out words. I mean, Moreland means more than just uh, you know the name of a slave plantation or the name of a city that was named after a farm that was named after a slave plantation. But it's it's you know, we don't need to, I think we need to be able to tell those bad and sad stories as well as um, the good ones. And this is a good story because we're, we are changing it to be inclusive. You know, we've got such a diverse community here. We need to be able to include them, particularly our First Nations people, to not be able to include them and, and let them feel like they're part of it. And that's, that's what's emerging from this process. They really feel that they're being valued in a way they haven't been for 240 years. You know, and of course, Sunday there's some there's an event, isn't there, at Glenroy to yep. celebrate yeah, this? It, yes. And just on that, it's, it's, is it coincidental that it happens to be at the start of NADOC week, or is it? Is, was that no? The elders really no. The elders really um, uh, manage that, and so at eleven o'clock, well, ten thirty on Sunday, out at the Glenroy Community Hub, a fabulous new passive solar building that we just opened a few months ago. Um, we had a smoking ceremony there and opened it up. It's the first public passive solar building in Australia. It produces 20% more energy than it consumes and it's, the air's cleaner inside than it is outside. That's where they want to do this. And we're going to be um, having a big celebration after that special council meeting where we adopt the new name and recommend that to the minister. And then we'll be having a, a smoking and some, uh, the jury jury dancers will be dancing and there'll be a dig. And we might even have some... Um, Uncle Andrew wants to do some... Uh, boomerang throwing, so there'll be some special activities that people can get involved in up at the old Glenroy Primary School site, and we'll be planning a manager, um to really mark the this sort of next chapter in the, the naming of our city. Yeah. So 11 o'clock up at Glenroy Community Hub, Wheat Chief Road, everyone's truly welcome.
And I mean everyone. doesn't matter what colour you are or what what, uh, background you have. Even some of us can get in, Mark. (laughs) Terrific. Yeah, even some of us, Kevin, and even if you're you're not supportive, we'll have the, you know, as long as they come up respectfully, we'll have the non-supportive name changes come along so long as they're respectful. <laughs> yeah, and Steve Price might turn up. Um, <laughs> Mark, look, thanks for that and good luck with the whole thing and um, we'll, um, we'll, well, we'll know by next week what the new name is. We will. Yeah, okay. we can, I'm happy to come back on Wednesday if you want to chat about that, but I, can I just congratulate you on keeping City Limits going? It's 24 years since I started working with you on this program and um, you know, big shout out to you as being a fantastic elder for our community and keeping us keeping us informed of all things democratic and urban planning. Okay, thanks Mark and thanks for that. Well, we've got, I, was, I was saying earlier, it's almost a reunion of the Old People's Committee for Melbourne because we've got Kate Shaw on next to well, the program. Well, front page so. of the age today, Kevin. Ask her about the front page of the age. It's a real shocker. I can actually happily come back and talk about that. I've got a lot to say about that as well. I haven't seen it, but fill me in quickly just so I know what to oh, talk about. Well, Lizzie Blanthorne's brother's um, been uh, outed by, by, actually by Kate's partner actually, so he was the reporter. Um, um, what's his name? Um, and Roy- anyway, he's Royce. Uh, Royce, yeah, he's written a major article on his association and his work. He was a, an advisor to the government, and now he's working for one of the big lobbying companies. And um, now she's the she's the planning minister. We've got to make all these decisions, and we've got quite a few issues where the planning minister, the previous one, Wynne, actually provided all these new towers on some of our open spaces, which was complete contradiction to what we were planning to do. And now our community are blaming us for the towers on our parks, which not what yeah. we wanted, but anyway, we'll talk about it some of the time. We should, because I know I chaired a building and permits committee on a council years ago, and it was always difficult because the law was often in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All the best, okay. Kevin. We'll talk again, hopefully. Okay, thanks, Mark, goodbye, and goodbye, thanks for your time. Okay, we'll move on to Kate then. <clears throat> okay, Mark Riley there, the Mayor of... I think we've got the gist of all that, and we'll... Um, I didn't haven't Sorry. seen the age this morning yet, but... Um, We'll, uh, <clears throat> anyway, we'll check with Kate and see what she has to say about it. I'm sure she's aware of it, uh, given that, uh, that Royce wrote it. ...in this country, and the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail laws now. Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. 
First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population. 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced. Isja Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition, which can be found on Isja Melbourne's Facebook page. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Okay, on the line, Kate Shaw, and um, we mentioned earlier, Kate, or didn't, uh, we mentioned she is, but she's a geographer up at Melbourne, and uh, Kate, we, I don't know if you've been listening to the program, but we were just talking to Mark Riley about the name change at Moreland, but he, he concluded, when I mentioned we were going to be talking to you, I said it was a bit of a reunion of the Old People's Committee for Melbourne, in fact, um, he said, ask Kate about the front page of today's age, now I haven't read it yet, but he, he sort of half told us what's on it, um, can you fill us in? No, talk to Royce about that. All right. You see, fair enough. I, I'll, um, well, let's move on with you then. Um, I presume yes. Royce is around the place, is he? Hey? Is Royce around the place? Uh, what do you mean? Um, no, don't worry. Work. We won't talk to him now. We'll, get, we'll catch up with him. Okay. But, uh, uh, well, on yeah, housing... I'm, 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 not his, I'm not his keeper. Not just, his no, that's true. That's true. Well, Mark sort of dobbed you in as to who your partner is because he pointed it out. Um, the um, Kate, the election's just been held. We've had, well, a Labor government which has some housing promises. We've got the Greens with much better housing promises, I think. But what what do you see coming out of the election in terms of uh, housing and planning for for this country and this city? Um, look, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Albo has certainly made a commitment to... Um, uh, Commonwealth expenditure on social housing, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So um, we don't know what form that'll take, whether whether that will um, be constituted in some kind of revival of the Commonwealth State Housing Agreement. I, I expect that that would be the way that it would go. It will probably still be a state-delivered um, housing form, but with you know a serious commitment of federal money, um, maybe. Mm. Um, well, well, in the last couple of days even, there's been a lot of talk about the need for more social housing and uh, figures thrown around showing we've actually got less public, well, they're calling it social housing, than we had in the 90s. Uh, it's indeed. actually going backwards. Yes. Uh, uh, but they're still calling it social housing and most of the groups crying out for it are private groups that in fact will not therefore have public housing. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so, social housing, I mean, they, you know, they just talk about social and affordable housing now. Um, and social housing uh, refers almost exclusively to uh, community housing, which is managed, uh, owned and managed um, by uh, not-for-profit um, community housing associations or, or uh, registered housing providers. Um, and affordable housing is, you know, that sort of key worker housing that that is of, of ambiguous status, often provided by private developers for a limited period um, with a substantial um, tax subsidy to the developers. Um, <clears throat> um, you know, I think I think usually, I mean, NRAS the. National Rental Affordability Scheme gave generous tax incentives to developers to provide um, some housing in, in new 
residential developments at 80% of market rent, um, which those of us who are um, <clears throat> more critical and alert um, observed that 80% of unaffordable is still generally pretty unaffordable. Um, um, but even then, it was for a limited period. And excuse me, sorry. Um, and the 10-year period is now coming up. So, hang on, I'll go outside. That's my husband. Um, <clears throat> he's getting he's getting calls from other media organisations. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so that 10-year that period is now coming up. And so there's actually going to be a, um, a, a quite rapid period um, of displacement. Um, and renewed homelessness from the tenants of inlets provided housing, um, but so so yeah, public housing is 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 really kind of off the agenda. But interestingly, Albo uh, at his election um, speech when 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 he when he announced his 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 um his success in his run as prime minister, observed that he was a child of public housing and that his disabled mother and he lived in public housing. And so he announced um, in that speech that any child who is brought up in public housing can be prime minister of Australia. And um, by implication, what a classless and forward-looking society we are. Yes, we've noticed how classless we are. Okay, of course. <clears throat> mm-hmm. but, um, and like, like uh, there was a news item this morning, I was reading on ABC, I heard, where they were crying out again for more funding for for community and public housing and social housing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was called, uh, the they were called the Community Housing Limited or whatever. And the and the the item talked about the need for the private sector to invest, and they could make money out of out of social and community housing. Mm. So, yeah, that's clearly, that, that's to... way beyond what we'd call public housing. Indeed. Um, so, interestingly, I uh, gave a, a. I was part of a, the um, the um, conversation hour on the ABC a couple of weeks ago, talking about this very thing, and I mentioned um, that august other media organisation because they wanted to talk about class. Um, the conversation now was, are we now a classless society, given that our Prime Minister was brought up in public housing? Um, so my contribution to that, spoil sport that I am, was, was to say um, Albo was the beneficiary when he was growing up um, and indeed going to school and going to university, of some very enlightened policies from another Labor government um, that hasn't been equaled uh, since. Um, obviously, he was a beneficiary of... Well, in, in, in the 60s, when he was growing up, um, Australia had the highest proportion of public housing that it's ever had. Um, it was around um, 8%. Um, now it's closer to three or four, uh, depending on whether you include um, community housing in that, uh, in, in, in that stat. Um, but we now have one of the lowest levels of um, public housing um, that Australia has ever had since it was built uh, in the 50s and 60s. 
So not only was Albo um, and his mother, uh, not only were they able to get in <laughs> to public housing um, they're a- and able to get onto the waiting list. I don't know if you've observed that there are some people who are actually not, not even able to get onto the waiting list for public housing at the moment. They're too full uh, and it's, it's going to take too long. Um, for them well, to the last I heard, it was 13 years to get to the top. Um, yeah. is, it, yeah. is it longer than that now or about the same? Uh, well, it varies from, from, from state to state. Um, and and obviously it depends depends where you want to you know where you want to live. Um, <clears throat> I think you can, if, if if you're specific about wanting to live in a certain area, you can be waiting half your life. Um, but uh, but but he was also Albo was also of course the beneficiary of free tertiary education. Um, and so my comment to the conversation now was if Albo wants to make that statement that. Uh, a, a child of public housing can become prime minister. He's going to have to do a fair bit in terms of policy change to to, to give any meaning uh, <laughs> to, give to that kids, statement, give, right? To give kids the chance to be prime minister. <laughs> indeed, indeed, which means providing a lot more public housing, which means actually making tertiary education free again, and a whole lot of other, you know, healthcare. Um, childcare. I mean, he 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 is the beneficiary of a very enlightened time in Australia's history, and the time that um, made us made this country um, one of the most progressive social democracies in the world. Um, you know, we're, we're in, in in the seventies and 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 eighties, uh, Australia was regarded as equivalent to Scandinavia. Um, you know, the, the, the social democracies in, in, in that part of the world. Uh, and it was the envy of many, um, many other sort of socially democratic-minded societies. Um, we've lost that spot. We've long lost that spot. We are no longer the envy of anybody other than um, those who want to lock um, asylum seekers up. Um, and, and get them as far away from their own territorial boundaries as they can. Um, but we certainly cannot make the claim that Albo makes that a child of public housing can still become prime minister because the, the cards are so profoundly stacked against them at the moment. Yes, and the countries you talk about, um, we were then compared to, um, certainly now have far better housing policies than we have, do they not? They do. Uh, I mean, they're being wound back, too. I mean, we can't get too starry-eyed about it. I mean, you know, neoliberalism as an overriding, dominant, global, sort of cultural, political mindset. Rears its ugly international head. It does. Uh, And so, look, you know, there's a fight. There's a push and pull going on at the moment. I know that there are some a lot more... Um, progressive and anti-neoliberal policies being enacted in the UK. Um, you know, there was a vote that I think I talked to you about in uh, in, in Berlin, in Germany, yep. to renationalise um, housing companies. Although that uh, that's not confirmed yet, uh, and and that still needs to go up um, to the national uh, court to be approved in Germany. And um, most commentators say it's unlikely to get through. So, you know, we are in this real sort of push-pull, but I think we're, I think globally there are more challenges to 
neoliberal policy than <clears throat> there have been so far, um, but it is yet um, the dominant culture. And so, yeah, there, is, there are struggles. There are housing struggles all over the world, you know, as, as, as your listeners, our listeners would know very well. Yeah, I think just on that, I think there are signs that, you know, because the the whole neoliberal um, philosophy is, is unravelling pretty quickly, we are seeing people just because of because of what's happening naturally in the economy uh, starting to question the whole thing. Yes. But yes, there, we are. But, I mean, particularly, of course, with regard to um, privatisation of the utility companies, you know, and electric, I mean, that worked well. Yeah, it's worked uh, a treat, hasn't it? <laughs> so, so I think I think probably if 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 we do start to see renationalisation of anything in Australia, um, it'll probably start with with the power companies. Uh, I mean, there's already a lot of talk, sentimental talk about the old SDC, State Electricity Commission in Victoria. So we'll see how that goes. But um, to, to bring it back to housing, um, there's a hell of a lot of work and investment that needs to be done in public as well as community, as well as key worker, as well as community land trusts and co-ops. And um, as I've talked many times, you know, access to super funds, um, I I mean, not access to super funds, um, access for um, major... Um, financing of housing initiatives from um, super fund portfolios. I mean that that you know. I mean there's trillions of dollars tied up in in um, our super funds and. Well, they all have um, property managers and things in super funds, but they they seem to invest mostly in either upmarket office space or upmarket um, residential space. They don't seem to they be. Res- do. Yeah, which yeah. which seems um, to be so to be. What, what, what we need there is is uh, a Commonwealth legislative change that not just um, really um, suggests and 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 frees them up to invest in um, public and community housing and, and other forms of housing, but requires them to do so. Requires a certain percentage of their portfolios to go into um, subsidised housing, which would deliver. A, a low return, um, but also a very low risk uh, and steady revenue stream that benefits the shareholders, us, the people who've got our money in super. Um, it, 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 while it will reduce those returns, it will um, increase social returns that come back to us as investors, so the you know the, the logic of such a scheme is pretty solid. Um, so there's a lot that needs to be done. Yeah, and and just on, I think you're aware the Financial Review regularly has has big conferences around areas of industry, and they're currently advertising a property summit, um, and there's a rave about what it's all about. But it goes on. Finally, says. The AF, the Financial Review Property Summit, brings together the industry's most influential leaders, investors, commentators and disruptors to discuss the future of this critical pillar of the Australian economy and identify emerging opportunities in prop tech, alternative assets and real estate investment and the speakers of the usual suspects from the usual, you know, the the, the usual um, either developers or, or investment companies and uh, 
there doesn't seem to be anyone on the list that would represent ordinary people looking for a house. Or, or who are these disruptors? Well, that's <laughs> I, right. I certainly, I, I haven't, I haven't received any. I'm not sure that they're, I'm not sure that the disruptors are exactly what, no, they don't, what we think they are. None of them look like disruptors <laughs> to me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Unless uh, you think that Stockland or whatever are disruptors. Yeah, that's disruptors it, yeah. are futures market men. Yeah, yeah with, with radical ideas about how to <clears throat> radically <laughs> increase the value of your property portfolio. In fact, there was an, there's an article, it was actually an ad, but it's an ad for a, um, some software that, that allows, um, they say, social housing providers to much more easily, and it's better for tenants because they can just use, go online to pay their um, pay their rent and um, and and pay their deposit and 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 the deposit is safe etc and on they go but then they talk about the fact that it allows social housing groups and community housing groups to be more profitable so they still see the even the social housing groups as as being there to make profit mm. i'm sure the tenants will be delighted with their new with their new technological access to paying their rent um, I, I note actually that the uh, the ombudsman, the Victorian ombudsman, is looking at um, issues of maintenance um, and and um, access in public housing um, at the moment. I don't know if she's extending it to community housing as well, but that report is due out in the next month or two. That'll be interesting. An interesting read. We'll catch up with you when it comes out, Kate. The, yeah, the Speaking right. of community housing, uh, it's now seen as what's well, now Community Housing Limited or something running the whole thing. But when it started out, community housing was in fact run by the public sector. Uh, it's changed over the years, obviously. Well, it was not the public sector. It was... Uh, well, no, actually, not, not well... It was, all, it was always not-for-profits, Um there was and there were a number of community housing associations that were initiated by local councils so the St Kilda Housing Association and the Yarra Community Housing Association going back uh, in the 80s and 90s they're the ones i was thinking of because i was aware yeah. of them at the time yeah 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 um Actually, it wasn't even Yarra. What was it before that, Richard? It was Collingwood, I, I think it was called, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. I think it was um, called Collingwood. Yeah. Um, or Abbotsford, yeah. maybe. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, it was in that area. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, so they, they were, they were um, local, local council initiatives. So they were as bad as, as, yeah, as, as public as they went. But even then, they were set up as not-for-profits uh, immediately. Their, their structure... Was was a uh, you know a, a, a third way um, council pu- publicly initiated um, not for profit uh, organisation uh, and and they were small so they you know they were regarded as um, accessible and responsive uh, and then held up as a model. That was an improvement on the state-run public housing system, but I mean, there's no reason why the state-run public housing system could have should have been so inefficient. Um, I mean, you know, part of that was by design. 
I think, um, by the neoliberal ideologues that were in the division of housing in the in the uh, in, in the nineteen nineties, um, and it has certainly become an investment vehicle over time. Indeed. Yes, and uh, well, the um, also I noticed that um, we were pleased to hear this. In fact, that Graham Samuel, the um, well-known capitalist who recommended to the Kennett government they close most of the most public health services, and Prince Henry's Hospital was closed due to his report. He he wants business to help fix the housing affordability crisis. Yeah, um, and he wants business to invest in um, in housing affordability, and uh, the usual suspects have joined him: um, A. V. Jennings, Bendigo Bank, the Committee for Melbourne, <laughs> our famous mob that we formed a group to fight, C. Uh, Bus Property. There's unfortunately there's the workers' money. Minter Ellison, Salvation Army's in there as well, and Stockland have backed the initiative to get the the private sector to invest so people could afford housing. That that should solve the problem, Kate. Yeah, uh, especially because most of it won't be affordable. I mean, that, that, I mean, their whole ethos is just build more housing, isn't it? Build build more housing, no matter what form it is. Loosen the planning, the bloody planning regulations, so get rid of the red tape, so they can just build, 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 build. And if there's so much housing around, then the prices will fall. Isn't that the logic? Yes, um, of course. Work, the problem it's... there is that <laughs> they do they do tend to stage things, don't they? A little bit. I mean, if it looks like the property prices are actually going to fall, everybody stops building. I mean, I've I've, I've just never heard such a well accepted con um, as the you know, increased supply uh, and 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 prices will fall. Um, but, no, it's called the capitalist system, Kate, I think, isn't it? Yes. yes. So, so when we start actually talking about building, building more public housing, building more community housing, building more affordable in end... Look, I don't thoroughly object to the term affordable because it can cover a lot of other... Co-ops, especially. Do you know what I mean? I just, yeah. Germ- look, Germany. Certainly, we're out of time, Kate. Have... We're running into the next program. <laughs> but uh, look, no, it's all right. We always end up this way, but we'll we will talk again soon. Don't worry, yeah. and uh, yeah. we'll catch up with all this. But look, thanks, thanks again for your time this morning. Yeah, pleasure. Okay, thanks, Kate Shaw, there, who's um, geographer at Melbourne and uh, part of the old People's Committee for Melbourne. And as I say, the Committee for Melbourne is now urging us to have. The private sector invest. We've got to go because the next show's due to come on here. Next week's housing. Karina, thanks for coming in and being so wonderful. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.